Welcome to episode 19 of Disky Discussions. I'm your host, A.B. Basson. In this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by the Queen of Fitness, Simone Conley. The TS Galaxy in South African football biokineticist and fitness trainer is considered to be amongst the best in her field of expertise. Simone, thanks for joining me on Disky Discussions. Um, before we get started and, and talk about your journey in, in, in the game and in football as such, um, let's just talk about your week thus far. Uh, you work for TS Galaxy. You guys are, are doing really well at this point in time. Um, how's the mood at, in camp and, and how's, how's it shaping up to the weekend's camp? Uh, yes, hi, Avi. Thanks for having me. Um, well, things are great. Uh, everything in camp is going really well at the moment. Um, the team spirit is high. You know, the energy levels are high. It's been a hectic few, few what, eight weeks since we've joined the team. Um, going from where we found the team to where we are now, we've put in a lot of hard work. The players have really come to the party and put in a lot of hard work. And yeah, everything's great. The mood is good. We, we're hoping to pull out another result uh, come this weekend. It's not the first time that you and Owen de Gama and his technical team have teamed up to great success. You guys had great success at Highlands Park um, before the franchise got sold uh what makes you guys so successful do you think um well you see i met coach owen years ago uh at the netbank yona team search uh through coach carbo zondo mm. and that's basically where they they realized my potential and that's also where i learned so much from that group of coaches it was carbo zondo owen de gama shakes mashaba and mike mangena and from there, I went on to work with Coach Owen and Coach Shakes at the national team, being Bafana as well as the under-23 team, and also with Coach Tabo Sinong at the under-20 team. And I just think it's years of working from a lower level and slowly progressing to a higher level. You know, I've worked with mm -hmm. him at development, being in the NetBank Yona team search. I've worked with him at the NFD level, you know, uh, with Highlands Park when we got the team promoted. And then now I've worked with him at PSL level. So I just think it's that gradual progression, you know, working with yeah. the same person, getting to understand what they as the head coach requires, desires, needs. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a situation that you kind of get to know the head coach over time. And I've been fortunate, you know, to understand how he works, how he wants things. And I think that's been really the secret to, to the success in, in terms of the combination. Before we, we get back to present time, let's rewind a bit and, and talk about your your past. Uh, where did your love for fitness as such come from? <laughs> I have always been, you know, since I was a kid, I've always been into sport, really. Mm. And, um, you know, you, I, I literally tried every type of sport, you know, name it, you name it. I actually excelled at badminton, which mm. is a unique sport, you know. Not yeah. everybody opts to play badminton, but it's an awesome, awesome sport. I, I represent South Africa with that. Uh, I did pretty well at netball, but most of the other sports are kind of, you know, in between. I've been to Uma uh, at some, really good at some others. <laughs> but I realized that, you know, being a female in South Africa, the only way to to earn a living and make an income in the sporting industry is to work in the male sporting dominated uh, industry. You know, working in female sport, your income is really limited. So that is where I decided to go into the studying route, you know, to get my foot into the door to basically work with male elite uh, sport. Uh, you talk about studies. You studied at UJ Biokinetics. Um, how was that? And how did you find this, the balance between studies and, and fitness as such? Um, yeah, well, when you study as much as I did, you, you lose a lot of time to keep fit. But yeah, it's a balance. You've got to find a balance in life. Mm -hmm. um, I studied my undergrad, BCom Sports Management at UJ. 
And I went on to study my honors in bike mechs. And then yeah. I did my internship at the FIFA Medical Center in at uh, Wits. So I think that really, you know, started my path, you know, doing internship at the FIFA Medical Center, um, opting to do biokinetics and opting to go the sport route as opposed to the clinical route. Then I went back to UJ and I opened a clinic there. And that's where I studied my master's, which specialized in football. And then while doing that, I did a lot of volunteer work, you know, at um, SAFA schools, as well as at Farouk Khan's Stars of Africa Academy. Just okay. trying to learn, just trying to grow, trying to understand the game and the nature of the behind the scenes in the game, which a lot of people are not exposed to. There's so much that happens behind the scenes on a daily basis, you know. And that's basically my journey with regards to studies to get myself to where I am. Talk, talk to us a bit about your field. Um, I know a lot of people that that work in your field, and I think there's a lot of there's a misconception sometimes that you know you are just a fitness trainer. You send players around the track a few times. That's obviously not the case. Um, just take us into the day. You know, Simone's day in the life of Simone and what you do on a, on a weekly basis. Okay, well, yes, yeah, it's definitely not just the case. So basically, you, you're you're part of the technical team. You know, you're integrated into the coaching system. Um, you might not be called a coach per se, but it's really important for you to have a good working relationship with your coach, your head coach, your assistant coaches, uh, also your analysts, so that everybody is sort of on the same wavelength. So a day in in the life in my life would basically be waking up, preparing. Well, I'd prepare a session the day before. I'd discuss it with uh, the assistant coach as well as the head coach. We'd communicate between the three of us and sort of work out what exactly needs to be done, who's responsible for which aspect of tomorrow's training session. Um, it's also my duty to periodize for the full you know, duration. You know, So you get micro cycles, you get meso cycles, you get macro cycles. So that's basically the work that I would do behind the scenes. But then once I get to the field, everything's sort of sorted out in my head. And it's not just the nice part, you know, the nice part is the execution part, getting there, setting everything up, and then basically putting the players through their paces. And it, it differs every day. If you period as appropriately in football, you never really make players run as there's the stigma that, you know, as a fitness trainer or fitness coach or whatever you want to be called, an exercise scientist or sports scientist, you make players run. It's really not the case, you know. Football science has evolved and it's got to be very sports specific. It's got to be football specific. And it also even varies to the point where you've got to be very cognizant of which time of the season you are in. You can't be making players run at the latter end of a PSL season. This is where you maintain and this is where everything must be done on the ball, on the ball, on the ball. So, yeah, I'd get to training. We'd set up, we'd, you know, stand in a circle, say our prayers, set out the session, explain to the players what the session will comprise of. We'd then run the session, enjoy ourselves while doing that. That's the best part, like I said. <laughs> it's mm. not as hectic as the planning that goes in before that. And then, you know, we'd wrap it up and then have lunch together and then be on our way home. Um, I do uh, have, I'm a biokineticist actually by profession. So yeah. then I would, if 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 I have clients book or patients book, I would see them. Oh, that's, and then the, the rest of my day. Yeah, that's terrific insight. Thanks for that. Um, you talk about staying on top of your game. Uh, how important is that considering how quickly football has evolved, especially over the last two decades? It's extremely, extremely important. Um, you know, I think to be the best, you've always got to put that learning cap on, you know. Mm. So regardless of the amount of hours you spend studying, regardless of the amount of qualifications you have, 
You've got to learn every day. And if you're open to learning every day and learning from everybody you come in contact with, even learning from the footballers themselves, I think that's the biggest way of learning, you know, getting to understand them, their needs, their desires, how they respond to certain stimulus and how they don't, you know, um, what works for them and what doesn't. It's, it's basically just constantly learning, opening yourself to learning. For example, like uh, a Raymond Ferrain's course has popped up now. Uh, luckily, you know, the one benefit of COVID is that everything's gone online. I no longer have to spend thousands of rands trying to travel to Europe to attend that course. I can now do it online. So I'm registering for that to try and improve my knowledge, you know, to try and grow as a professional in my field. So just being open to learning on a daily basis, learning from everyone that's around you, you know, even, you know, your, your backroom staff, like the kit manager, he's got something to teach you. You know, he's got insight into some of these players that you'd never, ever come across. If you just give him a second to, to have a quick chat with him, he'd really tell you stuff that can take the team to another level. So just constantly always be open to learning. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, obviously, you're involved at club level a lot, um, but also you've been involved at national level for the past few years now. Uh, I think the 2016 Olympics, if I'm right to say, is must be right up there as a highlight of yours and being involved with the team. How was that trip to Brazil and, and what are some of your fondest memories? Uh, that trip, there's no words to describe being part of the Olympic team, to be honest with you. It's absolutely out of this world. Um, I think that it was such a highlight to have qualified with under 23 team after the country had not qualified for a period of 15 years, you know. So to have broken that bubble and to have qualified then was uh, it was an achievement, you know, that we, we, we can all as South Africans be proud of. And um, just the trip to Brazil was, like I said, there's no words to describe it. Just the, the highlight for me of the trip was playing the opening game against Brazil mm. to a packed stadium in the heart of Brazil. We played in the capital in Brasilia and um, the stadium was packed with Brazilians and you walk onto that field and the stadium's designed in a way that you'd have to walk up and then onto the field. And it just feels like a, you know, one of those aha moments, those rare <laughs> moments. Yeah. <laughs> you get out there and the stadium, the, the stadium just erupts. Everybody goes wild. And for me, it was a very rare experience because they were shocked that I was a female, you know, on that pitch uh, in the opening game of the Olympics playing against Brazil. Uh, the fans were kind of very fond of me being a woman and they kind of had their own little cheer for me, <laughs> which was quite cool. And and different. So yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I'm so proud of the players that played there. You can see most of them are doing quite well now at PSL level. Some of them internationally level. Matiba, um, Keegan Dolly, you know, they've made it internationally now. Uh, so yeah, it was it was an awesome experience and the players really put their heart and soul into it. I just think we lack preparation time. That's the only thing I would change, but it's an indescribable experience really, uh, Rio 2016. Quite incredibly, you're not the only successful athlete, so to speak, in your family. Your sister, Alyssa, is very successful, 100-meter sprinter. Okay. Um, just talk about, about her a bit and, you know, what she's meant in your life. Uh, obviously, it must be great to have her by your side and, you know, both of you being uh, fitness fanatics, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Me and my sister are extremely close. Um, people think she's older, but I'm actually the older one. Uh, we grew up together. We grew up loving sport. We we sort of, um, you know, set the bar for each other. If I did this, she would do it. If she did that, I would do it. So we sort of just moved through life together. And she's my she's my best friend, really. My sister, my best friend, my confidant, my everything. So um, her journey with athletics was also 
a crazy one because I was involved in majority of it. I'm the one that, you know, drove her to training uh, sessions. I tried to train with her at times, even though it's not my thing to be a track athlete. <laughs> so yeah, we went through a lot and there was actually one time uh, she actually had a hip operation on her right hip and she just thought that, you know, this is it. She'll never achieve that dream of becoming an Olympian. Mm. And there was, we did a rehab. I did a rehab, you know, seeing as I was a bio and um, I helped it with the training and all that. And there was just this one day when I was out on the track with our training with, and we finished the sessions and we just lied on each other on the track. And we literally said like, you know what, we're going to go to, we're going to go to the Olympics. Come, come hello high water. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make a plan to get you to the Olympics. And God just planned that I would be going to, you know, in a different capacity. And it was just, you know, I think a highlight of our lives and, you know, our journey as the Connolly family, you know, for my mom and dad as well, you know, both of their daughters going to the Olympics in their different respective, you know, fields of what they do. I wasn't exactly an athlete, but it was the field of what I decided to pursue. And my sister was an athlete and she made it to the Olympics in 2016 in her field. So it was awesome. And being there with her was also so, so, so amazing to, to be on the warm-up track with her in the midst of Usain Bolt, Alison mm. Felix. We were right in the midst of all of these great athletes while she was warming up for a race um, in Rio and put her through her paces, did the preparation. She went out there. She made us proud, um, you know. Yeah. So it was an exhilarating experience. And I think she's she's, she's due for a comeback, hopefully. She's, she's been injured. She's taken a break, but mm. um, she's going to try and make a comeback. So hopefully with God's grace, that will happen. Yeah, fingers crossed. What an awesome achievement. Uh, really, really. And your mom and dad must be really proud. Um, just to to drift a bit, uh, you obviously we know you as a, you know, as being part of, of football clubs and, and soccer field, but you've worked in rugby before, if my research is right. Um, how different is the fitness yeah. between between soccer players and, and rugby players? Obviously, rugby a lot more physical. Um, how difficult is it to differentiate between the two if you're working, you know, corresponding between soccer and football, or soccer and rugby at the same time? And rugby. Okay, so... <laughs> Look, it's very different, but there's also a lot of similarities, you know, um, speed is speed, uh, agility is agility, uh, explosive power is explosive power, which you need those uh, aspects for both football and for rugby. The difference, though, in terms of my job with regards to football and rugby is when I worked in the rugby sphere, I focused only on biokinetics, which is injury rehabilitation, injury prevention, you know, guys that tore the ACLs, they you know, dislocated their shoulders often in rugby. I was really, really very much injury focused while I was working with the Lions uh, Rugby Union. Um, and then when I when I stepped up into football, I sort of branched out because, you know, I had the exercise science background, sports science background, as well as the biochemistry background. And I'm kind of wearing two caps in the football world, doing both conditioning and then also focusing on the injury rehabilitation and so on. So yes, there's differences. I think of the main difference is just the amount of contact in the sport, you know, in rugby, yeah. there's a lot more bodily contact in football, slightly less. And uh, the type of contact, you know, rugby is usually planned contact. The tackle in rugby is usually practiced, you know, um, whereas in football, contact is not planned or practiced. It's one guy kicking another guy's shin and, you know, it, it results in the shin muscle tearing, you know, or it results in the calf muscle tearing or straining or it results in a contusion. So that's just the difference. It's the type of contact. It's the planning for the contact. And it's, you know, conditioning your body differently. Football players are not conditioned to take blows to their hips, their knees, their bone, you know, their joints. Yeah. Whereas the rugby players are more conditioned to absorb the shock when it does come because it yeah. obviously comes from another human being. Yeah. You think you're, you're that would be the primary difference. 
Mm, do you think your success in the field has shed the light on the importance of, of someone like you in, in, in a football team? Um, say that again, my success? Yeah, do you think your success in the field and in fitness training and the success of TS Galaxy and Island Spark in you know getting the team, the players fit and ready and, and the success the team goes on to achieve, do you think that has shed the light on the importance of someone like you in a, in a football team and living a, a healthy lifestyle? Um, I think most definitely. Um, yes, I think with regards to the fitness aspect, I've been quite successful. But I think that the light had been shed on the importance of someone like me in within a football team, within any sporting code long before I, I got the opportunity. You know, I think what happened with regards to my situation, my case, it's, it's actually opened, you know, the light to say, you know what, many other females who are like myself, who, who want to study and become a fitness professionals or biokineticists or, you know, um, professionals within a male dominated uh, industry, it, it's possible. But I think with regards to the importance of a conditioning coach, a fitness trainer, a biokineticist within sport, I think that was there. It just, it sort of takes some teams and some clubs and some sporting codes a little bit longer to realize how very, very, very important and critical it is. Some of them try and fly without it. Also, it depends on the type of coaches and the coaches' beliefs and the coaches' you know, way of doing things. Some coaches prefer doing their own fitness. Some coaches prefer you know, doing things old school. You know, yeah. not focusing too much on sports science and and focusing more on the football of you know without the sports science, without the conditioning, without the you know the biochemics. But I really think that it is there's a big, big, big gap. It's extremely important. But what I would like is for more females to to jump on board into professional football and do what I'm doing. You've made that point, and I was going to lean towards that. What what advice do you have <laughs> for fellow females to you know to get where you are today? Um, I think, you know, every interview I do, they ask me this and every time I say something different for some reason because yeah, it's, it's so today, difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult to give advice because it's such a difficult industry to get your foot into. Yeah. But it's kind of something that you've got to work at and you've got to be persistent towards, you know. There's going to be ups, but there'll definitely be more downs than ups while you're trying to get in your foot in the door, while you're trying to knock on that door, while you're trying to create a situation where you can break the barrier. Um, if I compare myself to somebody who's a male and doing the same thing I'm doing, I studied for eight years to be where I am. I studied for eight years. I volunteered for three years working for free. Um, and I get male counterparts who had studied for six months and they are you know, wearing the same cap as I'm wearing at the moment in a professional football team or in a professional rugby team. So really, ladies out there, it just boils down to deciding that this is what you want. It's where you want to be. And you're going to take every step, you know, in terms of create, getting the qualifications. Being a female, unfortunately, you've got to come knock on the door with the right qualifications. It's not going to be very easy if you just have your general personal training course. You know, you've really yeah. got to go the extra mile, knock on the door with the right qualifications. And that would be my advice. Don't give up. It's possible. Most definitely. That's great advice. Um, just to, to end off, um, I'd just like to ask you more of a fun question. Um, who do you say is the, the fittest player that you've worked with at, at both Highlands Park and, and TS Galaxy? We can, go as, we can go as far as the South African national team as well at, at youth and, and senior level. I think that one's pretty easy. I think that's okay. really, really easy. Um, 
I think the most hardworking, fittest athlete, professional uh, footballer that I've ever worked with, it must be hands down Peter Shalulile. Um, I'm still in contact with him now. Um, still speak to him on a regular basis. Um, he really, he really is something else when it comes to hard work and he's still, you know, pushing hard and he's still doing extra and he's still asking for extra. And he's just an athlete that's second to none professional through and through. So that for me is an easy, is an easy call to make. There's many others currently at CS Galaxy. I think one that stands out is Mlu Mujana. Uh, he's plays in our midfield, very hardworking, yeah. very dedicated, arrived at Highlands Park, a little bit overweight, but the transformation he has made and his fitness levels is just outstanding at the moment. So yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I think Peter Shalilile's success should come as no surprise then. Um, Simone, thanks, thanks again for your time and for your insight. It's really inspirational and all the best going forward and all the best for TS Galaxy for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Avi. It's been a pleasure chatting to you and I hope one day we'll chat again soon. <laughs> yeah, hopefully very soon. Thanks, Simone. Ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Disky Discussions. If you have any questions or guests you'd like me to have on the show, please hit me up at AB underscore Basson on Twitter or on Instagram. Stay safe, like, subscribe, aware.